Amen. Well, good morning, church. Um, my name is Andy Nelms, and I have the privilege of being associate pastor here at Lover's Lane and uh, the pastor here at Thrive. I want to welcome you to worship. All of those of you who are joining uh, online and um, streaming through Facebook or through the website, however you are tuning in, I want to welcome you, especially if this is your first time here. Um, we know that checking out new churches, um, doing new things is, you know, a little bit awkward sometimes, and, and we just want to welcome you and say we are so glad that we get to worship with you this morning. Um, we are starting a new ser sermon series um, called This Is What We Do for the next three weeks. We're going to be talking about what we do as a community of faith, um, the, the principles, the practices that we take part in um, together and this is also our, uh, our generosity series as we consider the investment we are going to make in the ministries of the church um, next year, especially if we are a member of this community of faith. And so I uh, want to welcome you to worship again this morning. And, and this morning we're going to talk about the importance of belonging. Um, and, and so this is what we do. Belonging is what we do. And so this morning we're going to read uh, out of the book of Ephesians in just a little bit. But I want to encourage you to go ahead and grab your Bible if you have it with you. Pull it up on your phone. Um, whatever way that you access your Bible, and, and maybe you haven't, you know, ha used your Bible in a while. Maybe it's on a shelf or, you know, in a closet somewhere. I, I want to encourage you to go ahead and grab it. And, um, you know, the best way to get started is to get started. And so I want to encourage you to do that this morning as well. So again, we're going to be in Ephesians, which is in the New Testament. Um, and uh, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. But so we're going to talk this morning really uh, about this passage in Ephesians, and, and as we look at this series of this is what we do, one of the core values we have is belonging. Belonging, I think it's so, so vital because the simple rule, belonging is important. Um, you know this, right? Like you've experienced this. Maybe um, you realize this as a child, right? Whenever you went into school, whenever you went, wherever you were going, you knew how important it was as a kid to find a group, to, to find a friend, to find, you know, a sport, um, an activity, something to do. Why? Because belonging is important. Belonging important. Maybe you, you've realized this, you know, as you were at, at work and you needed colleagues, you needed support around you. Uh, maybe even as an adult, you've realized, you know, your need for friends. And, and sometimes as an adult, maybe even with young children, it, it's sometimes kind of difficult to create friend groups again. You know, we have to kind of go through this whole experience of figuring out, you know, like, how do we do this? And, but we've realized this important rule that belonging is important. And one of the reasons that it's so important is for this truth, that we look like what we surround ourselves with. Right? Like, we look like what we surround ourselves with. Um, maybe you know this as a parent who become very concerned um, about the, the friends that their children gather, right? Why? Because, because sometimes those friends have more influence than we have as parents over, uh, over our children, right? Because we look like what we surround ourselves with. Maybe you had friends in junior high or high school that maybe, you know, engaged in kind of the, the nefarious activities, right? Um, maybe who did the wrong things, and you found yourself falling into that own temptation. Why? Because we look like what we surround ourselves with. Or, or maybe, maybe you had friends that, that were that were smarter, or maybe friends that excelled more in school, and you realized that as you spent more time with them, you started to excel and do all those things as well. 
right? Or, or, or maybe if you're a musician or an athlete, you know this to be true, that we look like what we surround ourselves with, right? Like um, myself, I'm a very mediocre musician, you know, and, and uh, I was in band in high school, and I really enjoyed band, and I really enjoyed playing, but I was never really good. And, and so, but I realized that any time that I played with people who were better than I was, I became better because I, I tried extra hard in those moments so that I wouldn't be holding the group back. Why? Because we look like what we surround ourselves with. If I was a mediocre musician who gathered around excellent musicians, I would become a more excellent musician. And the same is true in our faith life as well. And I, I, I want to tell you something. This is like the most important thing that I can tell you this morning. It, um, and uh, if, you, uh, if you would write this down um, in your Bible, in your notebook, just on a sheet of paper, on a post-it note, something, this is the most important thing that I can tell you regardless of who you are, where you've been, you belong here. You belong here. Whether this is your first time in a church ever, right? You're not even in a church. But like whether it's your first time to like venture into this thing or your first time in a long time or you have been a lifelong member of Lover's Lane or Thrive, I want to tell you that you belong here. That this is a place where you can belong. I'm going to tell you why this morning. We're going to read again out of the book of Ephesians chapter 3. And I, I hope that you'll follow along with me. You'll make highlights and underlines notes. Um, that you'll start to really use uh, your Bible so that it can really make an influence in our own life. So this morning we're going to read out Ephesians chapter 3. I want to tell you what verse 8, I hope that you'll read along with me. Chapter 3 verse 8 says this, that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he says this, God gave his grace to me to preach the good news about the immeasurable riches of Christ to the Gentiles. Again, Paul is an apostle of Jesus. And he is going about starting new churches so that other people might come to know Jesus Christ. And he says that God's grace has been given to me so that I can go and preach the riches of Christ to whom? To the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? The Gentiles are anybody who is not Jewish. Paul himself is Jewish, and there was this debate early on after Jesus had ascended back into heaven. That this debate was, do you have to be Jewish to follow Jesus? And Paul's argument was, no, Jesus died for all people, that everyone is included. And so Paul says, the grace of God has been given to me, Paul, so that I can go and preach the good news to the people who are on the outside. And I think that grace of God is so important. I think grace has really two definitions that we need to know. Grace, first of all, is this unearned acceptance of God. God is calling you. God is accepting you. God is welcoming you. God is inviting you. God is wooing you regardless of who you are. Regardless of where you've been, whether you are a believer or not, God is calling you. And that is grace, friends. That is, that is grace, this unearned acceptance of God. And here's the great thing about it. No one has unearned it more than anyone else, <laughs> right? Like whether you've been at church your entire life or never, no one has unearned it more than anyone else. We have all received this grace. We have all had this grace, and now we get to choose whether we will respond. That's the difference, that some have responded and some have not yet, but 
We have all been given this grace. We are all being wooed by God by this unearned acceptance of God. That's the first definition. The second is this, that, that grace is also the power to be better tomorrow than we are today. The saying goes that God loves you exactly where you are and God loves you enough not to leave you there. And that's what grace is. Grace is this this love that God is pouring out on you and this power to be better tomorrow than you are today. Um, as, As good Methodists talk about this, we call this Christian perfection. This idea that we would be more like Jesus every day of our life. That, that this is one of those journey of a thousand miles, that it has to begin somewhere, that, that today you can begin to be better and that tomorrow you'll be better than you are today and this will happen over and over and over again, the goal being that we look like Jesus, right? That, that, that people would actually mistake us for Christ. And so that's what grace is. Grace is this unearned acceptance of God. Paul says, I have received this unearned acceptance of God so that I have the power to go and be better tomorrow than I am today so that I can go and preach this good news to whom? The Gentiles, the outsiders. And then Paul says this. So we read out of Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verse 8 and verse 10. He says this, God's purpose is now to show the rulers and powers in heavens the many different varieties of his wisdom through the church. If you're reading a Bible, I hope you'll underline varieties. Paul says that God's wisdom is various. If you've ever heard people say, you know, I, I, I believe God is calling me to do this, and somebody else saying, I believe God is calling me to do this, I think that God is calling me to believe in this, and I think God is calling me to believe in this, why is that? Because Paul says that God's wisdom is various. Another way to say this is that God is diverse. God is diverse. Paul says that, that God is the most wise being we could ever understand. God is, God is the all-knowing being. God is so wise, God knows all things. And, and if God knows all things, then we cannot comprehend in a, in a singular concept whom God is, that God is beyond our capacity. God is diverse. And here's the thing about that. If God is diverse... If God is diverse, then his body, the church, should be diverse as well. If God is diverse, then his body, the church, should be as well. Here's this thing about this variety, friends, is that you must have variety to have unity. Otherwise, it's uniformity. You must have variety to have unity, otherwise it's uniformity. That in order to be united as a church, we have to be a group of many different kinds of people in order to actually be united. And this is where the church has got this wrong so many times that so many times we thought that the church meant that you had to believe and act and look like and do all the same things. And if you didn't do any of these same things, if you didn't believe all these same things, then you weren't a part of the church. And Paul says, no. Why? Because God's wisdom is various. Because God is diverse, and we, as the body of Christ, are called to be diverse as well. And here's what this means, that you belong here. Why? Because we are striving to be more and more diverse every day. So regardless of who you are, 
regardless of whether you're a Republican or Democrat, regardless of whom you're going to vote for this November, regardless of what you believe, regardless of whom you love, regardless of your actions, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you look like, regardless of who your children are, we are a body that is diverse and are seeking to be more diverse every day. And the only way that we can do that is by welcoming you. Because you belong here. The good news is that we are diverse. There is no one kind of lover's lane Christian. Only those people who are gathered under the banner of Christ. And so I want to tell you that you belong here. Paul says the wisdom of God is various. And we, his people, are trying to be various as well so that we can be united under the banner of Christ. So Paul says that God's wisdom is various in verse 10. And then in verse 11 through 12, Paul says this, that um, all of this variety of God's wisdom was consistent with the plan that God had from the beginning of time that God would accomplish through Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ, we have bold and confident access to God through faith in him. If you're underlining things, I hope that you'll underline bold and confident access. Bold and confident access. As I mentioned earlier, Paul is Jewish. And in this time, there was this idea that, that there was this temple in Jerusalem, this place where we worship. And, and they worshiped there because they believed that God was there. Of course, God was larger than the temple. God was, God was more diverse than the temple. But, but there was this idea that there is this thing that happens here in the temple. And there are various walls and borders and places that you can be and not be. All to make sure that the people who had practiced these cleanliness laws are the ones who got closer and closer to the Holy of Holies where God resided, where God was. And there was this throne room. There was this place that was the holiest place on earth. And and only one person, the high priest, was allowed in this place one time a year during the Day of Atonement so that that person could atone for the sins of Israel. Only one person, one time a year, had access to God. And here Paul is. And he says, we now, all of us, even Gentiles, everyone now has bold and confident access to God. We now, through Christ Jesus, have this bold and confident access to God. Paul says God is accessible. And friends, if God is accessible, then God's church ought to be accessible as well. That is why we, we strive so hard to create a worship experience that is accessible to all people. Right? Even beyond being ADA compliant, we, we strive diligently to create worship experiences that are accessible to people who are deaf or hard of hearing. We, we work diligently to make sure that people who are elderly have access to the church. We work very hard to make sure that young families have access to the church, that they have an experience that they can worship, they can worship while still having young children and the, them being able to participate in a learning experience that is conducive to their learning. We make sure that we can, we can welcome people and the people that can have access who are single, who are uh, all people, that we can make sure that we give access to every person especially. Especially people who have never been in church before. 
My hope, my prayer is that we would work diligently to make sure that everyone has access, meaning that people who have never been in church before can feel welcome, can have access, can know what's going on and where to be. We can make sure that every person has access. Not because we think hospitality is a good idea. Not because this idea of welcoming is in vogue or fashion. We practice hospitality because our God is hospitable. Our God is accessible. And so we create a church that is accessible as well. Friends, I want to tell you, the most important thing that you can know is that you belong here. That's it. That's the most important thing that you can know, that you belong here. There's a writer, Alan Hirsch, that describes a church like a ranch. And he says, you know, if you have a really small plot of land, uh, that you're raising cattle on a small plot of land, you can build a fence around that land. Right? If you have a small plot of land, you can build a fence around it, and you can say, the cattle that are inside the fence are mine, and the cattle that are on the outside of the fence are not mine. The cattle on the inside belong to me, and the cattle on the outside belong to someone else. And, and, and Hirsch says that far too often we have operated church in the same manner, that we have drawn clear boundaries and said, if you believe this, if you will look like this, if you will act like this, if you will do this, then you are on the inside. And if you do anything else, you are on the outside. Hirsch says, if you have a really small plot of land, you can build a fence around that and you can make these clear boundaries. But, Hirsch says, if you have a really large plot of land, even thousands and thousands of acres, you won't have time to build a fence over various terrain. And this large fence that spans these thousands of acres, in fact, Hirsch says, you, you will put a life source, you'll put a well where you want those cattle to gather. And those cattle will simply surround the well. Friends, I'm here to say that our well is Jesus. We are eliminating as many barriers and boundaries as we possibly can. And my question for you is, do you want to know Jesus? Do you want to learn a little bit more about Jesus? Do you want to get a little closer to the well today? Then you belong here. You say, you know what? I, before I grabbed my Bible this morning, it had dust on it. I've been yelling at my family. I've been struggling with addiction. I'm struggling in my relationships. I'm struggling in my work. I'm struggling with this idea of pandemic that we're inside for another day. friend, I'm here to say, you belong here. I want to encourage you this week to try this. Just think, think about this, okay? Surround yourself with people that are where you want to be.
whether you're in the church or outside of the church, consider surrounding yourself with people where you want to be, not just geographically. Surround yourself with people who have the relationships that you want to have. Surround yourself with the people who are the kind of parents that you want to be. Surround yourself with the people who, who are doing the kind of work, who are doing the kind of actions, who are doing the things that you want to do. Surround yourself with the people who have the spirituality that you want to surround yourself with. Friends, I know that we are quarantined, but there are a million different ways that you can connect with someone else. You belong here. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.